0: its uh, It's been a great several weeks uh, hearing all these different pastors and preachers and spiritual leaders across uh, across our, our church family and our partnerships. I love Missions Month. And Kim Margrave has done a fantastic job with our missions committee doing that. And uh, In fact, Tucker asked me, uh, my youngest son asked me uh, uh, this week, he said, uh, Dad, are you preaching this Sunday or are we meeting? And I said, yeah. He said, are we out of missionaries? And I said, yeah, we're, we're, we're out of. Uh, in what he said, so uh, kind of funny, uh, you know. We're not out of missionaries, but uh, that's what he asked me. He was serious, too. Uh, have you ever, have you ever, this happened to you? I know this has happened to you before. Um, you've walked into a room and realized you walked, or walked into a, a situation where there was a conversation going on that, uh, oh, I just walked into something that I really don't need to be involved in, or these two people, it may not be bad, but there was a conversation, we all had that feeling, you walk into a room, or you walk into an office, like, oh, you are talking about something, right, uh, this that, that happens right here in the scriptures we're going to look at today, uh, we're going to look at John chapter 4, and, and there's a conversation that the disciples walk into, and it has a lot to do with missions, and. I want you to open your Bible if you have it, uh, John chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Gospels, and the first part of your New Testament if you have one. And uh, if you're on a device, then I'm, I'm looking at the New American Standard if you want to read word for word for, for what I read it from. Let's, uh, let's pray, friends. Let's pray and ask God to use this. Lord, we, we know that when we read the Bible, it reads us. I've long been convinced, fully convicted that it is an arrogant thing for us to look at the Word of God and think that we should bend it. It bends us. We conform to it, and as we we read the Word of God this morning, I'm praying. It always says something different to us than maybe even we thought. Or there's a, there's a place in this story that we can inject ourselves. And I pray that, there's, that that would happen. There's nothing that I can say to improve on it. And I pray that your word will go deep with us today, in Jesus' name, Amen. So we're going to pick it up in John four. Um, it's in verse three. It's it's, it's 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 a long story, and I've got to, but it, you can't. There's no place to just break it down uh, shortly. And, so we're going to just read about this exchange that Jesus had with the lady, verse 3, John 4, 3. says, He left Judea, and He went away into Galilee, and He had to pass through Samaria. And He came into a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, being wearied from His journey, was sitting there by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples, they had gone away, so they they had gone away for a minute. It was just him and her. Verse 9 says that, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? Both of those are important. But the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And And she said to him, sir, you you have have nothing nothing to draw and the well is deep. And And where then do you get that living water? You're You're not not greater than than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle and jesus said to her everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that i give will never thirst but the water that i will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life and the woman said sir give me this water and i will not be thirsty or come all the way here to draw it. And he, and he said, her, go. All of a sudden the, the conversation just shifts dramatically. It says, go, go call, you call your husband and come here. And, and the woman said, I have, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you correctly said I have no husband. For you have five husbands. And the, and the one, one whom you now, now have is not your husband. husband. This you, you said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our, Our fathers, fathers worship on this mountain. And you people say that. In, in Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the place where, where men ought to worship. worship. And Jesus said, to her woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem would you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming that is in the future. And now it is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshiper. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, well, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. Here's where the disciples walk into a conversation that was already going on. At this point, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with them. Yet, Yet no one, one said, what do you seek? Why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot. She went to the city and she said to all the men, come see a man who told me all the things I have done. This is not Christ, is it? And they went out of the city. All the people went out of the town. They went out of the city and they were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, "Rabbi, I eat? And he said, I, verse 32, I... I have food to eat, which you do not know about. So the disciples disciples were saying to one another, "No one brought anything that he didn't." So Jesus Jesus said, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me, and to accomplish His work. Do you say, or do you not say, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, or look. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look out into the fields, for they are white with harvest." by the way he wasn't talking about crops if you didn't put it together in the story they were all walking across that field and he says look you see those people walking something often missed in this story he's not talking about the crops it says they were all walking to him in verse 36 already he who reaps is receiving wages and, and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together For in this case, the saying is true. One One sows and another reaps. That is, one plants. One One sows, planting, one reaps, one harvest. I sent you to reap what you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So I've been thinking about this for weeks. We've gone into missions month. I'm going to talk to you today about four truths. That's what we're looking at today. We're going to look at the power of my influence. There's four of them. Now, this story is long, right? And we can't break all of it down. We're going to focus in on, on one specific part in this story. And then the one specific part in the, there's a lot going on. There's been a lot of a lot of theology written on the difference between why Jesus would talk to this woman and the, there's a lot of theology of worship built around what happens in spirit and truth. And there, there's, there's multiple layers to the story. and Today, we only have time to look at one of them. But I'm going to... Look at one particular verse, and that is verse 36. Look at what what it says. And the power of my influence, I want you to focus on this verse today. It says, Jesus said, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. It's It's a very powerful verse, it's a very liberating verse, verse, if you understand what it means. And 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 I want to give you four key truths. You You have influence, just like like that photo photo with somebody, that domino effect of the the ripple effect. effect. Your Your life touches touches far more people than you realize. You you have influence far more than you realize you do. I'm telling you, it's really true. And today I want to talk to you about maybe the way you can use that influence to sow and plant the truths of the gospel into people's lives, you may not even realize how powerful you are. In doing it. And there's four and key truths in the first work. one I'm going to spend a lot of time on, but, but, but I, I think, think we'd, have, be a, we'd, we'd be missing miss it if we didn't bring this bring up, this and that is that God offers me a role to play in His story. God, God offers, offers me a role, and friends, friends I, don't, I don't want you to miss the magnitude of that. There's a, there's, a lot, there's a lot of power right there. You understand that God did not have to do that. God doesn't, God doesn't need anything for. He God is not wanting of anything. He's not deficient in any area at all. He's He's perfect. So the very fact that Jesus would be having this conversation about, hey, you do understand that I'm sending you out in my name, it's, it's monumental. It was, it was something never before seen that God would choose to partner with people it's, it's very a very powerful thing. thing. You have a role. God offers you a role to play in, in His story. And if, and if you notice something about these people, these people, these disciples, I don't know if you know much about their lives, lives but you do realize that they're, they're not, not clergy. That, that should make you feel right? good. Right? They're, they're not clergy. When Jesus, Jesus came and He called all His disciples with Him, him you know, He didn't, didn't come people to people like, like me. me. He, he didn't, didn't come to those that went to seminary. In fact, I'm not so, so sure did, that he intentionally avoided them. I don't know that. I can't prove it. I would hope not. I mean, I hope I was around, maybe I'd have been on that crew. But he went to maritime people. You ever been around fishermen? Like, they need deodorant. Really. Anytime I go fishing, one of the first things I do is make sure I get a shower. Fish, stink. He He went went to to people people that were despised. He picked a non-theologically educated crew to be his crew. Friends, that should make you feel good. It should make you understand that everybody has a role to play. Jesus wasn't much for the starchy religious elite. In fact, if you want to get ahead a little bit, uh, after the first of the year, we're going to spend months Going, going through the, the Gospels, looking at the way, way of Jesus, and, and, and I started in Matthew, and then I, I, I jumped to Luke, and then, uh, and then I jumped to John, and then I'm almost done with Mark, and, and I've been looking at it for more than a year, looking at just the practices of Jesus, the lifestyle habits of Jesus, and, and we're going to cover a lot of that, and one of the things that, that's just abundantly clear is that Jesus really took issue a lot of time with the religious elite. We We have have a role to play in the story. And that that role that he's trying to teach the disciples disciples is that we're the role of the truth-teller. We're truth-tellers. And we're we're called to step into a story. And And that's the whole part of the story. Don't Don't miss this, friend. Don't miss this. The whole thing that Jesus is trying to teach the disciples right there is to to step into a story of of a world that needs the gospel. We're called to engage that world. God offers me a role to play in that story. We're called to be truth-tellers. And that's what Jesus did. Here's another, there's another key truth about the power, the ripple effect of your influence, and it's this. is that my role contains no comparison. I, this is really important to, for right now. And I want to tell you, boy, in a world full of social media, social media, social media isn't good, it isn't bad. It has no heart, it has no soul, it has no mind, it has no will. Social media is an inanimate object. But I will tell you, what happens to us all as we get sucked into comparing our lives to other people. And I would, I would, I would tell be telling you, please, please, don't please don't do that. that. And, and it's not, not just for our students, students to compare one life to another. Adults do it too. Them. We look at other people and go, what are they, going, are they doing, doing that I'm not? Or right? what am what I missing? Don't, don't compare. compare. God, God doesn't grade on a comparison. Don't fall victim to that. You've, you've got, got a special, special role to play, and it's, it's just yours. yours. I love what Tate Roosevelt said. He said, Comparison is the thief of joy. It is true. I love that, that picture of him. I, That's, I don't know like what he was laughing, laughing about, about, but I'd kind of like to know. It's, it's one, one of our presidents. you don't know, one of our former presidents. He's the <laughs> reason you have National Parks, by the way. He was amazing. I, I think, think his quote on the a critic. critic. Just, just to you want to take, take some time, time today. Google up The Man, man in the Arena by, by Teddy Roosevelt. I can quote it by heart. It's an amazing truth. And I'll tell you why this this story means so much to me. Because the Lord really used this story in John 4 years ago, many, many, many years ago to really set me free from guilt. Really. And it came in this verse, verse 36. It says, So that that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. You see, for the first time, I understood that Jesus, put the planter, on the same level of honor that he put the harvester. And that meant a lot to me. I used to feel guilty. And, and, and I'll tell you, it, it, it came in all shapes and forms. I never forget. One day I was speaking at a men's conference and and um, I knew this dude and he was a good guy and and uh, he was he was, he was kind of an evangelist of sorts and, and I was there as, a, as one of the main speakers and in the, in the break he, uh, he just said to me he said, how many people, people has your ministry saved? and I said, none just, just that quick none what do you, what do you, do you mean? he said, well, I, I, I've seen and he listed like 422 people come to Christ this year and I said, well, you don't know that how do you know that? Because they, they signed a card? Anybody can sign a card. How do you know they repented? I hope they opinion. did. I don't, don't really re- re- I don't really know, know that. that. And, and I'm, that I'm not counting. Count. In, In fact, I don't, I don't, don't think I'm God mean. is. I haven't I saved anybody. Really man, I'm just a to it. I am just a messenger here. But just let me tell you why this made me really struggle. It made me struggle because because so often in the church world, a lot of emphasis is given on people that harvest. And they're really good at it. Well, a lot, listen, there's an old term. Many of you haven't heard it. If you're what's called a soul winner, you will be in no shortage of speaking invitations. Back in the day, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, people would come in and we called them net drawers. They, they were, were really, really good at drawing a net. And then, listen, that's not a knock. I mean, they're gifted at that, man. I mean it. Like I mean sincerely gifted. They can be in a conversation at Mapco and see somebody come to Christ really quick. But let me tell you what I've discovered, friends. I, 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 I would challenge you. I would challenge every one of you in this room. Look back on your gospel story. Look Look back back on your Jesus story. And my truck is paid paid for. It it has been for a long time. time. And I'm going to bet you, I'm not a betting betting, man, but if I was, I would would bet bet you the title title to a Mm 2008-200-400 that there is more than one person involved in your Jesus story. There's usually many people from a person that taught in the kids' ministry that first shared the gospel with you and you didn't even remember it. But they got the truth into your heart. And, and you went, went to a, maybe a youth community. camp, and you, and you met somebody, somebody that explained the gospel a little more, and then you had, had a, I remember a, one of the first encounters I had with the Bible, it was my second grade teacher in a public school, and Miss Jenny said, gather around boys and girls, I'm going to read your story today. Well, what's different now, huh? It was in a public school. See, I I, I remember when I first encountered this verse, I went back in my my Jesus story, and I counted, I think, I I counted six to eight people that had planted and saw no hope from it. And one man came up, he was a harvester, and one man came around, and in, in about 11 minutes' time, it all came together for me. But it took work from a lot of other people. And so when when Jesus Jesus said that, I thought, man, that is really unique. It really was liberating for me. It gave me a sense of understanding because I shared the gospel all kinds of ways. but, But I didn't see the results that many people saw. And I learned over time, sometimes I'm a harvester. But more often than not, I'm a planter. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It took me a long time to be okay with that, but I'm okay with that. So, because A farmer doesn't just plant, let's be honest. A farmer harvests, too. But I, I plant with the intention, but often it's not me that gets to do it, and I had to learn to become content with that. And then I'm going to share with you something this morning. that it's, um, it's very important for me that you don't misunderstand what I'm about to show you. It's not, it's not my way of showing you things I've done. It's my way of proving a point. That many times, you don't, don't have a clue. see, my friend that asked that question. How many, have, many of how many is your ministry say none? He, he had, had the number, number to the to letter, year to date, and I'm like, good, good for, for you. And, and I meant that, that. Good, good for really, good, good for you. you. I, I, just I just don't count, count like that. That. And that. And that doesn't make me better than him than or him better than me. me. It just means he that I don't really believe it's to be counted and even measured that way. But, but I got, I got to looking after, after, that, that, ex- after that exchange, what he didn't realize is that, that for me, many years I felt a little, a little condemned around a lot of other preachers. Because, because I, I didn't often see the baptism, baptism, baptism results baptism that some of them saw. But, but I got to look at, it, I got, got to looking at, at my own life, life and I and thought, wait a minute, man. Every, every book I've, I've ever written, every television, television show I've ever produced. produced Every article, I always had a motive, and that motive was to share the gospel with people that were never going to come in here. So I began to do things to to the world, especially to the world of men that love to hunt. There are people that shoot animals in the name of Jesus and then marinate them. Um, Hey, we give it dominion, take it up with God. We give it dominion in Genesis, okay, just saying... I'm just the messenger on that one. You would have by the way, the first book I ever wrote about that, you should have seen the hate mail that I got. I remember one specific lady one time, wrote a letter about that long, and, and, and it and it painted a picture of like I just shoot every cat and squirrel and frog and everything. I'm like, oh, oh wait, oh, 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 oh no. But I realized that most men that love to hunt and fish were never coming here. You know where they're at right now? Not here. They don't feel guilty about that at all. Because they need the gospel too. And so I began to create things. In one particular project, we did a trilogy over the course of about four years. Here's two pieces of it. I can't find the third one. Those are DVDs for all of you under 30. There there was a machine. You stuck it in there. You hit play. Um, So those DVDs, let me tell you, this is all we do know for those of you that are counting. All we We know know for sure is we shared the gospel with 150,000 people. Because that's how many DVDs we gave away. And And what what we would do is we we would go to trade shows shows all across the nation. nation, Where all these hunters would gather. And And we we would put put celebrities in those videos. videos, Like like the Lebrons of the hunting world. Yes, they do exist. The Kyries of the hunting world. They do exist. The Derek Jeters of the hunting world do exist we would put them in those DVDs and they would share the gospel and we would put them in the hands of men and women and young boys and young girls that would come through these, these secular trade shows and we would put them in their arms and put them in their hands and, and we would share them. And all we know for sure is we shared the gospel with 150,000 just with that project. And I have no clue how far it went. I have no clue. But I'm telling you, friends, the day I read that verse, that the reaper and the sower would be glad together. You let me see that it is impossible for a gospel seed to be harvested that isn't first planted. Now, now God, God can reap that in your moments, moments, but I'm telling you, in most of your stories, the first time you he heard the gospel wasn't the first time you had received the gospel. The gospel. It, it usually took time for you to dwell on it, dwell on it and, and think, think through it, it. and, and I'm, I'm here to tell you for, you for many of you for all of you fellow, fellow and, and fellow Mets, if that's a word for all of you men and women that have the sowing gift don't you be feeling second, second class because, because it can't be harvested it, if it's not planted we, we have to plant it first and you know how we do that at Clearview we I mean plant just plant this whole plant. month you've, you've seen ways we've planted here's one we do piles for the police I love that I love that we do that. Some of you take pies to the, um, to the Department of Child Services. The people that see the worst of humanity. You know what we're doing right there? We're earning the right to let them know they're loved. But we're doing it with a purpose. We're not anybody can take a pie. We're doing it with a motive. And that motive is to let the people know that we see those people. We know you're there. We, we know, know you're there, there. And I'm telling you, my experience is more often than not when life crashes in on their head or when something goes wrong, guess who they're going to call? I got a phone call from a friend a few months ago. I shared gospel with him twice. I'm the only pastor he knows. Someone's going really bad in his family life, and he called me. It took three years to get that phone call. Sometimes it just takes a little.
1: I'll tell you another way we sew. So,
0: so. Many, Many of you do, do this. Look at this. This is an awesome picture right here. That's uh, two of our room at the end. People on the left there. That's Bob and Tammy Ogle. Many of you work alongside them. Let me tell you what that picture shows right there. That's some of our, we, we, if, you, if you're new to Clearview, we do homeless ministry. Let me tell you what's really cool about that picture. Those three people on the far right, those were homeless people who had just gotten their first apartment. How cool is that? Isn't that neat? We, we share, share the gospel, gospel with those people. people. We, we let, let them know that God, God loves them. Loves them. It's, it's, it's stuff like that. That, that, and, that we, we sow the gospel, gospel seeds. seeds. And, 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 and sometimes we don't always see the benefit or the outcome until later. I was reading it in, in, uh, not long ago. And I was, I was noticing something. You know, when you, when you read the gospel slowly, you, you, you see things. You're not just reading it just to get it through, you know. And I was reading reading this passage about Jesus and I saw something about his character that really stuck out to me. Look at what it says in Mark 8. Don't turn there. This is Mark chapter 8 if you're taking notes. There was a crowd that had gathered and and the, the crowd needed food. It is one of those times where Jesus created a miracle and made more food appear in Mark chapter 8. But look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, I feel compassion for the people because they've remained with me now three days And they have nothing to eat. And if I send send them away hungry to their homes, homes, they will faint on the way. And and some some of them have come from a great distance." Jesus was bothered. He was bothered because they were hungry. That mattered. It actually mattered. And he's not speaking metaphorically, spiritual hunger. No, as in, for real. Have it eaten. And it, it mattered. mattered to him. I'm telling you, our, our Savior, it matter. matters to him how people feel. <coughs> so, so as you look at the sowing life, life. I as you look be at what it means so to sow into in people's life, I'm let me tell you something. something. I've had to learn a long I'm little playing. pain, all right? If, if you, you're a planter, if you're a planter, planter, if you're if you're a planter, planter you let me tell you something. You've got to care to plant. Planting is action. Don't let anybody think it's not. I've been, I've been around a lot of farmers, of farmers in my life, and I, and I can take some, something. i never forget the first time I ever planted corn. corn. I mean, it's in real corn. Not, Not just like in your garden, garden which is awesome corn, which some none of y'all, of y'all ever tend to bring me, which bothers me, farmers because some of y'all got garden. gardens. And, and I know about them. them. I'm, I'm talking about, about 10 acres or more of corn. And then it, it was, was over like that. I planted it. I got on the tractor, dropped the planter. I didn't. Even, I couldn't even see it was. I had to get off. This is how naive, I had to get off the tractor and follow the planting marks and dig it with my finger to make sure the corn was in there because I couldn't see it. But it was all in there. And the next time I came to that field, I was like, Look at that! It's up like three inches. And I came back and it was this high, and then I came back and it was this high, and I came back and it was this high. But it took time. But see, to plant something, you don't listen, you don't go planting just for fun, I promise. You plant because it needs to be done. You plant because you have to do it. If you don't plant, there's no harvest. And if there's no harvest, somebody down the line is suffering. Somebody Somebody down the line line may not be planting for food. They may be planting for for livestock. A lot of our our crop across this country goes to feed animals. They go to feed you. But it matters if you don't plant. See, to plant, you've got to care. And Jesus cared. He cared. And I would say to you, friend, don't let anybody convince you that planting doesn't matter. But God's not comparing your role. And I want you to hear that. You hear me? Your role matters. And, and don't let anybody tell a difference. No matter how matters. small. But, but let's move, move on. The, the, about planting, I, I, I told you I'd give you four the key, key truths. And here's a third one. That my, my role requires the power of my presence. Right? My role requires the power of my presence. You, you know, know we, we you look, look at that ripple effect, effect on that water right there. Right and, there and that water, that water is not going to be affected be until something touches it. A person has to actually go and institute the reaction. And, and that's what happens to here at the woman at the well. Jesus is having a conversation. Have, have you ever, ever noticed, by the way, he, so, so often, often when Jesus is having a conversation, he's, he's talking about, about one thing and they take it, take it another? Right? I mean, I mean think, think about Nicodemus, right? He told, he told Nicodemus, he you, told Nicodemus he you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. He said, How can I go back into my mom's womb? We walked past the temple. He, they, 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 he, they, he said, "Tear that down, and I'll build it up in three days," signifying when he was going to be resurrected. Well, how, how can you build it in three days? It took us like hundreds of years. Jesus is often having conversations about one thing, and they're taking another. Jesus, Jesus, is having a conversation with this woman. She leaves. The disciples walk up. They see him talking to her, and they said, and, and, and they said "Have you eaten?" He well, said, "My food is to do the will of the Father who sent me." Who fed him? No, fellas, it's a different conversation. Jesus is having a different conversation. conversation. And, and here's, here's the point of the story. When you look at John chapter 4, what he's trying, trying to get them up. to understand in this story is that this woman who is off limits, no good rabbi would talk to a woman like this. Don't lose that in the story. This woman was off limits for a couple of reasons. Number one, he was a Jew, she was a Samaritan. You didn't talk to those people. Those people. They grew up on the, the other side of the track, track spiritually speaking. No, no self-respecting, self-respecting rabbi would have talked to her. But Jesus did. In, In fact, she was a woman. Strike two. He didn't do you that. And the whole point of this story, I believe, is that Jesus is saying somebody's got to step into her world. Somebody's got to step into her world. That's the power of your presence. Listen, God God is not asking you just to go do good deeds. Anybody can do good deeds. He's saying, do your good deeds in Jesus' name, but step into their world. And I think that's what he's trying to get the disciples to understand. Step into their world. I don't know if you paid attention over the last few weeks, but Acts 1-8 kept coming up with a bunch of people. Willie, William, and others. They kept talking about Acts 1-8. I think it was William Johnson from Montana that pointed out the truth about how often the word "you" is used. Look at look at the word in Acts. In Acts 1a. you will be received power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and to even the remotest parts of the earth. Look at you, 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 your. But notice something in John 4. Notice something in John chapter 4. Jesus does it again, right? Look at look at, look at, look at the phrases. But all I say to you lift up your eyes. I set you to reap that for which you have not labored. You see you. See you matter. You have a role to play in the story. Your presence actually matters. And it matters far beyond anything clear you can ever do for this city. We are far bigger and stronger when we do it on our own as one big unit out there planting seeds through gospel. Listen, God is asking your role It's not just be one where you sit back. It is one where you step into. And Jesus stepped into this woman's heart. He didn't have to talk to her. He He could have walked right right past her. Disciples did. He could have walked right past her. And he cared enough. But now let's talk about about a different issue. Let's Let's talk about about what we're planting. Because Because it's not just about doing good deeds. It's It's not. It's about what we're planting. So what actually is it? I would say to you that your role is to be a truth teller. The world needs you to tell the truth. Your friends need you to tell the truth. The, the people that you play tennis with need you to tell the truth. The people that you work alongside in the cubicles need to tell you. You need to tell them the truth about their condition. That's real love. I want you to look back at something in this conversation. Man, this is a big deal. Let's pick it up in verse 15. So Jesus, Jesus is telling her about, about living water and all of a sudden she's talking about real water and, and, and then it, it starts to click with her in verse 15 and, and she said, it says, the woman said to him, sir, well, give me this water and I will be thirsty. And literally, she's thinking about miracle water, right? And then, then out of nowhere, out of left field, so to speak, comes this phrase, go call your husband. Do you you understand understand the dramatic dramatic shift right there? There. We're We're talking about water, hydration, Hydration, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, worship. Boom. Go Go call your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. right. You got five. You You had five. five. What happens right there? there. We're We're called to be truth tellers. And And this this is what what I want you to understand understand today, friends. Make sure you don't don't miss this in the story. story. Nothing changed until truth was injected into her story. Nothing. Nothing changed. Your friends need you to tell them the truth. Nothing changed. Healing doesn't come. Salvation doesn't come. Connection with God doesn't come unless there is an intersection with truth. That's one of the things we teach at Keys to Freedom all the time. You have to confront the truth. And the truth is your best friend. The truth is your best friend. But when you go to the doctor, do you get mad at them for saying, I think I found the problem with your kidney?
1: No, you don't. But it's funny how we
0: get mad at people for telling them the truth about their spiritual condition. But, but you, you have, have to know the truth. Or there is, is no deliverance. Matters. Truth and matters. And nothing, nothing changed in this woman's life. And, and I, want I want you to see the progression of him how, him. how it happened. He, Do you, look at this. First, first of all, she starts, starts calling. Call and don't miss this. this. She starts, she starts calling, calling him, sir. Sir, sir this, sir, 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 sir that. He's just, just another man. And then along the way it goes to sir. After he tells her the truth, then she says, oh, ooh, I think you might be a prophet. All of a sudden, she's listening differently, right? Her ears change. And then on in the conversation, it it moves from sir to prophet to she goes to the town and said, maybe this is the Messiah. There's a progression there. You see, when, when people encounter the truth, listen to me, friend, listen to me close. When you look at this story, here's what you'll find. When people begin to encounter the truth, the supernatural starts to shape the conversation. That's, That's where the supernatural kicks in. When you start, start telling them the truth, the supernatural in this story began to shape the conversation with this lady. And all of a sudden, she began to see differently. She began to hear differently. She began to understand differently. You see, Jesus Jesus changes everything He touches, man. When, Jesus, when everybody else touched the leper, they got leprosy. When Jesus touched the leper, the leper was cleansed. When everybody else encountered the demon-possessed, they got beat up or maybe even possessed too. When Jesus encountered the demoniac, he delivered them from the demon-possession. You see, everything Jesus touches, Jesus changes. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a conduit, and that's you. For you will be my witnesses, and you will be my people, and you will be, people, you will be the, the ushers in of the new kingdom. It's you, you, me, you. So there has to be a conduit. That's when that's when the supernatural takes place in you to me. Jesus said, all authority I've given to you. Remember that verse? All authority I've given to you. To go out and do what I've told you to do. God has a role for you to play in the story. It's, 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 it's hard to fathom. God has a role for you to play. And this woman obviously wasn't an American. Because let, let me tell you how an American would have handled that whole situation. Right? For him to say, yeah, you, go, you don't have a husband, you've had five. Let me tell you what she would have done. First she would have gone back to the town. She would have done that. But all, all the way she got on her phone and put it on Facebook. And she's angry with the religious leader who just told her the truth. Then she would, she would have gone, gone to a Google, Google review about Jacob's Well, Then she, she would have set up a Google review, don't, don't go there. Go there that's, that's a bad well. There's bad, 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 bad prophets hanging out at that well, Right? right? That's, that's, what, what, that's, what that's what an American would have done. She obviously, obviously wasn't an American. Because, because she, she went back, back to the people and she said, come to here a man that told me everything I ever did. As, as in, See, people are far more ready than you might realize to receive the gospel. In fact, it says the whole town began to follow and come out and say, who could this be? Somebody that knows the truth about my, about my, whole, my whole condition. Right? So when I tell you that you can't just go planting, this is a, a thing I hadn't learned, you can't just go planting your presence. Listen, if you... If you, if you, if you if, if all we do is play our presence, it's the equivalent of swimming up to somebody that's drowning and just sitting beside them going, boy, i know how to swim, and I hope that by, through the power of osmosis, maybe somehow they will figure it out. That would be called criminally negligent behavior. Somebody that's drowning, you go and get them. There's no such thing as a silent witness for you. There's There's no such thing as that. that. So, so we don't, don't just go doing good deeds. We, we plant, but we plant everything for room in the end, for the pies for the police and, and, and pies and for the, 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 the uh, Department of Child, Child Services, for all the things we do with, with our youth camps, all camps and all that Alexis is going to do and Zach's going to do with Christmas, Christmas and everything and we, we're going to push, push out, out everything we do with our fall harvest events and those are planting events. and We do that in Jesus' name. We just packed out the Franklin Theater a few nights ago. To talk to people, uh, just to, to plant seeds of gospel into people's lives, lives using uh, a, an illusionist. We, we do all of those with a motive, modem, and that motive is they that they can come to Christ. Christ. So, so it, it takes, takes two things. things. It, it takes, takes the power, power of presence, presence coupled with, with the potency of the truth. truth. And don't, and don't, don't, you don't, can't leave, leave those out. out. They, they have, have to go, go together. together. They have to go together. And where a lot of people, let me tell you where I think a lot of times we go short on this deal. Sometimes people just plant their presence without the aspirations of sharing the gospel. And then there are people that really want to tell you the truth about Jesus, but they don't really care a whole lot about you sometimes. You have to care about somebody. Oh, you said, well, I cared enough to share the gospel. gospel. True. Did you care enough to stay with them in the long haul? Sometimes it takes a long haul. Now, that's not not always going going to the effect of somebody you bump into a Walmart in a spiritually right right conversation. conversation. It's not always the, the way it's going to be when you have a, a tenth of a second to encounter somebody in a moment, you plan the gospel truth. I'm telling you, but more often than not, Jesus told us that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Why local first? Because local is where you live every day. Local is where you live every day. And you have to carry the power of the gospel in the, in the truth, and you have to carry the power of the gospel in presence, and that is what Jesus is getting at. And I want to tell you first, I had a question for you this morning, and I want you to think about it. I thought a lot about this question. Have you ever stopped to think about why you're in Franklin in this era of human history? Have you ever stopped to think about why me, why now, why here? You should. We live in a great county full of all kinds of amenities. People move here. They, they move here for a reason. Have you ever thought about why you're here? You. Why are you here? A Jesus-filled, Spirit-filled, Bible-believing, truth-knowing, redeemed past, redeemed future, new mind, new heart, new value system. Why are you here now? Why are you here? I'll tell you why. This place needs you. We We have have a whole lot of people, people just just like this woman at the well. We have have a whole lot of people that are being deceived. And and they're being left left unto themselves and left left up to the the world. world, That world world will keep pushing pushing them them further and further and further and further further from the gospel. But you're a truth teller. You're a truth teller. And the world needs you to tell the truth. Your friends need you to tell the truth. The moms that you go to play dates with, they need you to tell the truth. They need you to tell the truth about about their their lives. Our Our county county is a great place to live, live, but it's also full of idols. Our county county is full of idols. What are idols? idols. They're not big wooden poles poles like like Indiana Jones, you know. Great movie, but everybody thinks of idols. No, No, let me tell you what idols are. Idols are places that substitute for a person what only God can do. A lot of things can be an idol. A, a lot of things can be an idol. I'll go to my grave after having lived here 20 years. I'll go to my grave believing in this county. One of the biggest idols we face is image preservation. We are so afraid that if people knew what we really dealt with, they would like us and they would think we were lesser than And I'm telling you, as a guy that's ministered in this county in 20 years, everybody is messed up here. They hide it really well. They just hide it better. In fact, truth can set you free if you'd be willing to expose it and say, Help, help. In a clear view, I think we're doing that. I think we're coming against some of these idols the another idol in our county where people need you to tell the truth, one of the biggest idols we have in our county is, is there's a lot of people, may not be you, this probably doesn't even apply to you, so just don't listen for a minute, but I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot of people looking to politics to right-size their world. And I'm telling you, friend, God has never anointed a politician to save humanity. Only one person got that title. When you just sing a song, the government will be on his shoulders jesus it is the only savior of this world there's a lot of people in this county Come coming to here and they're wine. and they love it because the streets are clean i mean we have like we need the streets man it's awesome you can go downtown and not worry about getting shot most in most cases at least i don't i think so i hope so it's cleaner it's safer by average but that doesn't mean it's sin free there's a lot of people looking there's a lot of your friends that don't know jesus and they're thinking if we could just get the right president and if we could just get the right political system it would all be better and I'm here to tell you even if it was better it's still going to come to an end one day only Jesus can save humanity and your friends need you to tell them the truth about that we have a lot of issues in this county as great as it might be we have a lot of issues here we have comparison let me tell you some friends So many of you are weary. So many of your friends might not be you. Honest. You may have overcome this through the power of Jesus. But a lot of your friends, they're exhausted. You know why they're exhausted? They're trying to keep up. They're trying to keep up. And if you live here long enough, you can get sucked right into that too. There's no place in the Scriptures that your worth is measured by yourself. You don't have to keep up. You don't have to keep You see, your friends friends need you to tell the truth about that. that. Nothing Nothing changed. changed. Nothing changed in this this woman's story until until the truth truth was injected into the issue. Listen, friends, you're the last. Listen to me. You're 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 so important. Your story of redemption redemption is so important. important. You're the 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 voice of clarity. clarity. You're You're going going to reach people I don't even know, know, man. man. God, God, God is calling you. Jesus in this story, God, notice he's, he's talking about his immediate world. He, you're, 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 not, not you're not called to reach the whole world, but God you all called to reach your world. world. And the, the world, world that you intersect every day needs you so much. It needs you to, but it needs you to tell the truth. And a good value system, a good Christian upbringing, and good right morals, even a Bible-based life, at some point it's got to come from your heart and out your mouth. where you you can can talk talk to people people about how you found found salvation salvation from all of that. Sometimes I wonder if maybe the reason you're here is because it is so good in Franklin. And that can lull you to sleep. We are in a religious culture here. People need you to tell the truth. You're the last voice. In many people's lives, you're, you're it. You're the last you're voice. I'm not meant to put pressure on you. I'm just telling you, the last voice. In a world that needs the truth of the gospel of Jesus. You're the last voice, just like this woman. She encountered Christ right there at the, at the well.
1: You may be the last
0: voice of truth, just like Jesus was for her. For those trapped in a performance economy, thinking if they could just make enough money, it'll all get better some, some of you have real friends. You have real friends that are, friends. are parents. Who are lost yeah. and don't know Christ. You, you, have, you have, have real classmates, classmates some, some of you. That are they're struggling. Why, why are you in Franklin, Franklin today? Why why you in today? Why are you in this world why today? Why are you on planet Earth today? To tell the truth. truth. Because, because you have to step to into that. that and why, the, why does that matter? matter. It matters because, because you're the last voice of truth. that it confused in a confused world. Where their deception is going to be the vehicle that carries them to their destruction. Your story matters. You're the last voice of truth to many people. So if you want encouragement today, friends, look at what Jesus said. Look at what he said. You are the light of the world. So So let your light light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. And my prayer for you is that you step into a story and break the boundaries and be the truth teller so that people could experience the redemption of their story just like Experience the of yours. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world. It's sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.